and welcome to the Needs Improvement Podcast, your regular deep dive into reimagining mental health and well-being in the workplace. I'm your host, Nicholas Whitaker, coach and co-founder of the Changing Work Collective. In every episode, we sit down with thought leaders in organizational health, as well as individuals who've navigated the complexities of mental health, well-being, and belonging in the workplace. Our goal? To dismantle the stigma surrounding mental health, ignite meaningful dialogue, and inspire both employees and leaders to revolutionize the way performance is gauged at work. So if you're eyeing a healthier, happier chapter in your professional life, you're in the right place. Together, let's transform the places we work into the places we would love to be. Let's dive into what needs improvement. All right. Well, welcome, folks. Uh, I'm here with Tiana Burick, coach and founder of Career Alchemist and Human Design Strategist. Welcome. Thank you, Nicholas. Pleasure to be here. Uh, it's a pleasure to see you again. So I, first of all, just really excited to connect with you. We've been bouncing back and forth online for quite a bit, and I actually got an opportunity to be on your podcast recently. Tell us a little bit about what you do and what is a career alchemist and human design strategist do? So I work with impact-driven and mission-driven professionals and entrepreneurs, and I help them create a balanced and aligned businesses. And when I speak about alignment, I mean alignment with the natural and innate gifts and skills we have and balancing our professional and personal lives. So really creating the work and doing the work we are born to do by becoming the person we were born to be. And that is that weaves in the human design strategies piece is really facilitating and accommodating a tailor-based uh, approach for each individual, taking into account their unique human design. Oh, I love this. So I, lots of questions. I'm very curious. So like, tell me about human design. Like, how did you come to that? Like, Tell me a little bit about what human design is and how that works and how do you weave that into your coaching? Yes, sure. Uh, pleasure to talk about is I'm so passionate about human design, as you can tell. And human design came into my life around three years ago when I was working in a corporate job. And then for years, I was trying to figure out what is it that I should do? Who am I in this world? What is my purpose? And really is trying to own into that uh, specific idea. What type of business should I start? I had multiple business ideas, even like try to start some of them, but I couldn't really connect to the deeper meaning and purpose of the work I'm here to do. So I work with a business coach, career coach, and did all the personal development tools and programs I could, but still couldn't get to that clarity. And human design was just like the, that cherry on top that put all the pieces of the puzzle together and gave me that aha moment and permission to be and act in the way I was born. So human design is a personality system that is comprised of ancient wisdom and some uh, modern um, sciences. And it is a very complex tool, which is based on the birth data, not unlike other personality tests. It is not based on your answers and self-assessment, but it is a um, chart that helps you understand your innate characteristics but some people go like oh that sounds too woo-woo or like date of birth is it my natal chart or anything it's not it's not anything that predicts your future it just helps you to understand how you work best and how you thrive in your day-to-day -day life in your business and how to really like I use it as a as a tool to help and construct and design businesses and careers. 
That's really, really interesting. Yeah. And no, it's, it's curious to me too. Cause like I, I would consider myself more of a pragmatist. Uh, like when we, even though I live in Boulder, Colorado and like woo woo is very popular out here, you know, I tend to find myself like more on the pragmatic, more evidence-based, more like kind of practical grounded type of things. And when I came across uh, human design, as I often do, I was like very heavy eye roll energy, very skeptical of the process. And then when I actually went through it, it was like, oh, this, this is actually exactly me. You know, and I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, is that your experience with a lot of people that you work with that, you know, there's a little bit of hesitation, a little bit of like, eh, like, I don't know really too much about this, but once they actually get into it, they see themselves in this work. Yes. So a lot of people who come to me, they're not skeptic because those are the people who have tried everything on this earth. Like they tried understanding themselves for different personality assessment tests. It's like, okay, yeah, this is a nice thing to have, but like it doesn't help me uh, achieve anything. When they come and do their and find out their human design, they're in awe. Like they're, wow, I feel so seen and understood for the first time time in my life and really depends at which stage of your life you are and how much of a clarity you're seeking but human design gives you so much depth in into understanding how you're designed to work thrive what is your mission really like who are the people you need to hire where's your zone of genius if you're working in a team or not how do you impact other people what are your what is your profit potential so it's really like our personal blueprint for designing our businesses and I am as you are very pragmatic as well and what I try to accomplish with human design is to help people who are very into their left brain who are very Mm -hmm. logical and rational to understand this unconscious side of them and to bring it into creating an aligned life and work that they're doing because the only way we can create balance and alignment is if we are balancing our masculine feminine energy our logical and our creative side so human design is a very logical system that helps us translate the unconscious behaviors and the ways that we are working into very logical way I love these ideas of frameworks and ways of kind of making meaning out of our experience. And there's so many of them. And we come across them quite a bit in corporate spaces. Often it's like the big five personality profile or like the Myers-Briggs or like, what was it? The strength finders or like, you know, pick, pick your variation of these. They're often kind of brought in as team development exercises. And they're often brought in as a way to kind of mitigate some of the tensions that we're experiencing within a team where people don't really know one another very well. They don't know themselves very well. And communication and collaboration can become really, really difficult. When, when I first came across human design, it was actually in one of these environments. And I had a bit of an aha moment uh, where I was in a role that was a poor fit. I was trying to figure out like, what do I want to be when I grow up? Took the human design uh, process and it came out. I was like, oh, I'm a manifesting generator. And, you know, the, the, the terminology is a little bit less relevant uh, here. But like you know, what I got from that was actually I really like being creative. I like pulling people together around a common cause. Um, I like rallying people towards something. Um, I like to be uh, generative in my experiences. And this is exactly what I was not doing in that current role that I was in when I took this test. So it gave me this bit of an aha moment and helped me kind of orient a little bit towards like, well, what are the types of roles that might be more aligned with the type of things that I'm interested in or the things that I would be really good at? And I'm kind of curious if, if this is an experience that you've had quite a bit with clients when you're working with them on the human design uh, process uh, and you kind of get into the meat of it. Like, do they have these aha moments? You know, is it 
often a big shift for them into something new or is it kind of reaffirming of what they already know? Like what's the, what's the experience there often? So it really depends uh, actually on the conditioning. And this is something I want to take a step back and explain. So human design map doesn't change. It's like something you were born with and that's just showcases like what are your innate strengths. But how you're acting today very much depends on your environment, on circumstances, on how much have you been conditioned by the expectations and layers that come from the outside. So the more you're conditioned, the more you're further from your innate gifts and the way you're designed to operate in this world, the more aha moments you're going to have. And that's that's why human design, I call it like it's meant to free you from the existing boxes, not to put you into the new boxes. And what I see a lot of people doing and when they find out their human design type, they're like, oh, I'm a manifesting generator. So I'm designed to be a multi-passionate and do different things. I'm not designed to niche down. So they miss on, they put themselves into new boxes without realizing there are so many different layers and nuances of human design that helps us understand how to define a niche, how to sell, how to really use our energy and our zone of genius and things that come with ease to us. So yes, some some people who are who have done a lot of self-development work, who are very self-aware, this is just another layer for them. But in a way that is very practical and understanding, okay, I understand maybe I'm a projector and I need to hire the team of uh, vision builders, like generators and manifesting generators. So really understanding how can you craft your own roadmap and where the, the most conditioning comes is like looking on the outside. Okay, who how are people designing their businesses? Oh, I should take it this way. I should do like someone else or um, conditioning comes from your parents. Like what is it, the occupation you should choose, what, what direction to take in your career. So when you strip off and take off all these external layers of ex- expectations and conditioning, that's when you can really true, truly understand and try to navigate the life, life with your own roadmap. You know, what what you're sharing really strikes me, you know, where so many of the people that I'm talking to, you know, with the Needs Improvement Podcast is really talking about some of the structural issues that are existing within organizations that make it difficult for people to show up as their full selves. Either people who are struggling with mental health concerns, people who are neurodiverse, or otherwise people who don't necessarily fit in easily categorized boxes. And it seems to me like a... a a process like this and a framework like this could be really helpful for people to help identify, like, am I in the right team? Is this me or is this the organization that I'm in? I'm kind of curious your thoughts on that. This is so great. And I'm so great that you mentioned neurodiverse people because human design can help you really understand the labels that people are trying to put on you. So I've seen a lot of people making statements that they have discovered they have ADHD when they're 30s, they haven't been diagnosed um, earlier. And I see a lot of these tendencies that tend to show up in people with certain human design traits. So when you're not understood how you operate, how you play, how you learn at a young age, and you're looped into the boxes, just, just 
go back to like your childhood, how you're designed to eat and digest food. Like people expect, oh, you should sit at a table and eat. For example, my kid is a nervous eater. She tends to, she has to move in order to absorb her nutrients. So I cannot force her to sit still and eat, even though this is a social, like a social acceptable norm of how you eat and dine or how you play. Some people like uh, generators and manifesting generators, they have to take out all their and use up all their energy before they go to sleep but the remaining 30 percent of population they have to have a quiet downtime time so it's important to understand also like these are the labors that i have seen like for example manifestors uh i'm a manifester so i can i can completely relate to this it's like being too much and being too bold or people who have the internal way of making decisions that need longer time to make decisions instead of making decision in the now, they can be tend to be labeled that you're too slow, you're indecisive, you're all over the place. Like this is a common label that I've seen with uh, manifesting generators, like you're all over the place. Of course you are, because you have a tendency to multitask, to be pulled into different directions. So if you're in an environment that is trying to loop you in the role for which you're not designed, you're going to be labeling yourself as I'm not good enough, I'm too much, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I think that's a really important piece for me too, like in my own journey and just kind of my own exploration was like realizing, you know, first of all, like what my superpowers are, like what I'm really strong at, what I'm good at and like what types of environments I need to align myself with so that those qualities can really be used to their full potential. Um, and I feel like so much of corporate America isn't really designed in that way. You know, it, it, there's a certain set of boxes, there's a certain set of roles and actually even in the way that job ladders are built, you know, our career progression is based off of these very specific rigid views of what development might be. And someone who might be say like a manifesting generator, uh, might not thrive in those environments necessarily without like an awareness and an understanding of, of how their needs might differ from like the organizational needs. And I'm kind of curious from your perspective, like, you know, it, it sounds like you work with clients quite a bit at different points along their journey. But, you know, I think one thing that we both share is like, we're really trying to help folks who have found themselves in a situation which is less than ideal and help shepherd them through to something new. And I'm kind of curious, like when you, when you approach folks uh, who have identified as being in an, a less than ideal environment, let's say, uh, and you kind of layer over top of this, this human design model for them, you know, where does the strategy component come into that? Like there's this awareness piece, there's the, the labels and like the, the terminology that you're able to bring to that. And then there's the strategic com component, which is in my mind, like really putting that into action. Sure. It's a, like, first of all, crafting the tailor-made approach, meaning like where are you at the point of your life. Yes, you have discovered that you're not in an environment that supports you and you want to leave. But let's look at realistically how long is it going to take you to leave that environment? What are the resources you have? It's not the same if you have a kid or you don't have a kid if you're in your 20s or in your 40s. It's like understanding first what are the resources you have available at this moment and creating that trajectory. The second Thing that comes into the place is like weaving in human design and understanding if you are a certain type, you have certain traits, it's like understanding what is going to be your ideal business model. Let's say to put it into practice, I'm a manifester, so I'm 10% of population. So if some of the listeners do their human design and discover 
manifestors are here to start things and they're here to act on their initial urges and bring new things into the place. So doing repetitive things and processes for manifestors is a killer. So if you have to repeat the same process, it's not going to be sustainable. It's going to drain the life out of you. So if you want to become a coach and then you're like, okay, I'm going to launch the repeatable program year after year, you're going to burn out. So that's not a sustainable model. And you can see other coaches who are like build a one offer, scale up using it. But for manifestors, it's not sustainable. So understanding what type of models in the long term are going to work for you. So you're building your long term plan and action steps, how you're going to get there. The third layer is how you move through life using human design. And this is where the strategy and authority come from human design. And to bring this closer to the listeners who are for the first time hearing this, authority is your inner compass. How are you designed to make decisions? Do you make decisions from your intuition, from the gut feeling? Do you need to ride the emotional wave? Understanding how much of a time and clarity, when do you reach that clarity to know this is a good decision for me? We have been conditioned through our growing up, through education system, through the workplaces to make decisions with our minds. And the first thing that human design teaches us is to not to make decisions with our minds because our minds are processors. They're like softwares that are here to analyze, okay, these are the different routes I can take, but the ultimate decision resides in our authority. So really understanding how can we connect with our intuition, with our emotions and understand and feel, this is what I feel I want to do, not thinking with our mind, oh, I think this is a good pathway to take. And the second piece is the strategy. So the strategy is how do I externally communicate with others so I can release the resistance and move in my own direction. So for example, for you, you're a manifesting generator, your strategy is to respond. So it's waiting for the right timing to respond to the external circumstances. So if you're trying to push mentally and saying, okay, in two months, I need to do this, You're not allowing yourself to respond and do what is needed of you. So the way you were perfectly responding is you you got laid off. And that was the circumstance that came outside of you. So you were responding with your business, with the work you're here to do and tapping into your strengths. Going further into uh, deeper layers of human design is understanding where do my natural strengths and gifts come from so I can use what comes to me with ease. This is another layer of conditioning that I see with people because when we're placed into the roles, you are assigned the work you're going to do. So you're using your natural zone of genius or not. So you might be pushing and doing something that feels so exhausting because it doesn't come to you with ease. So the things that come to us with ease, we oftentimes neglect to see them and recognize them. We're like, oh, this is easy. So why would anyone care? It's easy for everyone. But that's where the 80-20 rule comes in. Whatever comes, what I do with 20% of my strength, someone else needs to use their 80%. So they're going to pay me and hire me to do that work to deliver my gifts to them so we can both thrive you know our modern culture and particularly in the tech space we're not really encouraged to 
to listen to feelings. We're not really encouraged to listen to our intuition. And if anything, I, I think our intuition is like diminished and it, it's a process of um, seeking externally answers and seeking externally guidance in order to kind of move forward with things. And I'm kind of curious with some of the clients that you work with, at least the clients that I've worked with, um, we spend a lot of time trying to identify and name feelings and try to try to work through a process where we can trust those feelings. We can use those as data or information in the same way that we would maybe more of a cognitive process. Intuition, I think, is a really interesting thing here, too. Um, how, how do you pull out of someone who maybe isn't used to talking in terms of intuition and feelings? Like, how do you pull that out of them? And how do you help them find a new relationship with that so they can leverage that to help make decisions moving forward? Yeah, uh, great question. And I love talking about intuition in a way that doesn't sound woo. So let's, let's first define. And this is another thing that I do with my clients. And I always tell them, like, you have to give your own definition to the words. Like, what is intuition for you? So the way I like to explain in intuition, it's our voice of the future telling us, let's say you are taking the path to the, you're going to the office and you're taking one route every day you're walking and then all of a sudden you have you have this anxiety or some feeling that's telling you you know take the different route you take the different street and then you did you learn there was someone was robbed on that street that was your intuition telling you to make a different choice but it's oftentimes hard to hear our intuition because we don't have the evidence we don't have the evidence that something is going to work in the future for us we only have evidence from our past experiences and this is why a lot of people are stuck in the sabotaging patterns in these unhealthy toxic environments because you have the data only for the things that have worked or not worked in the past so when you're trying to rely on what your mind knows what has or hasn't worked for you and you're not allowing yourself to hear what could work in the future, that's when you're going to stay stuck in these unhealthy environments and decisions. So one of the ways, because a lot of clients that come to me, they're very logical, they're very in their minds and they're like, I need to make the sense out of everything. Is like, I take them out of the mind because they're not going to rationalize the in intuition. Let's say I'm facing, I have a client, she's making a big decision whether to accept a different role, to move to a different country, uh, to stay or to start her her business. I'm like, okay, close your eyes and let's let's paint a picture. Let's see how you feel when you're taking these different roles. So we try to do these creative exercises and something that is not like a logical coaching led process. Oh man, I wish I would have ran into you like a couple of years ago when I was trying to figure out what my next steps were, because like so much of what you're saying, you know, I feel like kind of goes against what people's training is. You know, it, it's about logic. It's about next steps. It's about this like kind of master plan that they have. And that, that sensing into the intuition and sensing into the feelings uh, and using that as a way to kind of help formulate what to do next, I think isn't not, it's not a very, uh, common thing for people, I think, in, in these, these modern worlds that we live in. To me, that also kind of touches in with like mental health and well-being quite a bit, you know, so like if you find yourself in these unhealthy teams, or if you find yourself in an environment that's not really designed to help you thrive, I think the tendency is for folks to turn inward and say, well, it's something that's wrong with me. I'm broken in some way, or I'm insufficient in some way, or not enough in some way. 
And, you know, I think what I've noticed is like really tuning into feelings and tuning into that intuition allows you to see a little bit more of the bigger picture of what the environment is that you're in and sense into like, does this resonate? Does this feel right? It's kind of like what you were talking about in terms of like the route and then noticing down the road that someone actually got mugged or, or robbed in, in that particular path. I think the same thing happens to us in corporate environments where we have this vision of how things are supposed to be. And we have this vision of how things are supposed to unfold over time. And then when they don't, we think that that's something that's wrong with us. And I wonder, and maybe I'm, I'm connecting dots here, but I wonder if when people are able to focus more on feelings and name those feelings and trust in their intuition and build a resilience around that intuition and using that as more of a, a tool for them, that they tend to find, I think, that you know, their mental health improves, their well-being improves. At the same time, I wonder, you know, what happens to folks who find themselves in toxic teams or unhealthy teams who suddenly have these new tools uh, available to them and then realize like, ah, I'm in a really bad spot here and I actually need to get out of here. Um, do you see that like, you know, this use of uh, human design and this kind of like new awareness kind of accelerates people's departure from these types of environments uh, or does it make it more difficult for them to stay in the long run? Yes. So uh, this is a great point and a great question. Thank you for raising that. Um, so what I see is the more you do any type of self-awareness work, understanding yourself for human design, coaching, meditating, journaling, you're tapping into the new depths of your personality. Like, this is how I work. These are my values. Am I compromising them? Am I in the right environment or not? So when you understand this is who I am, I'm whole, I'm not broken. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm in the non-flourishing environment. The more you have awareness of that, the painful it gets. So that's the point. The more this type of this work you do and understand you are so far away from that environment, the more painful it becomes and the more you have the need to leave that environment. So yes, you're going to get to the breaking point when it's unbearable for you to sustain and to remain inauthentic in those environments. And something you asked like with all these tools and people get equipped with the tools and Sometimes they're not allowed to, they, they don't give themselves permission to leave. But as I said, when it becomes painful enough, that's when they pull the trigger and leave. And human design also helps us to understand that when we suppress certain points of either our emotions, our uh, we don't release the pressure. So we can see all these points in our human design chart and they're aligned with our body, with our organs. So we can see like if you're suppressing your voice, I've seen a lot of people having thyroid problems. So everything is connected, understanding that we are multidimensional beings. We are also our emotions play a big role in how we manifest the stress, how we suppress the emotions and how that's reflecting our body, physical body, which is our vehicle, and how the third component, our soul, that's the essence of who we are. When it's not expressed in an authentic way, everything else suffers. So understanding that when we are not leaving the toxic environment, we're trying to become someone we are not, it's going to physically hit us. That's why we have 
and we see a lot of the physical manifestations of suffering in the toxic workplaces. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think for me that that really ties to some of the more modern research. Like I think about Bessel van der Kolk and his like body keeps the score, um, uh, Gabor Mate and his work, the myth of normal. And so much of what they're discussing is about how the body holds trauma or holds dis discontent and how that manifests in various different ways as pain, as anxiety, as like these other lagging measures of a disconnect between who you truly are and who you truly need to be and the environment that you might find yourself in. And I wonder, you know, for folks that maybe find themselves on this journey where they've been doing a bunch of personal development work, or maybe they've come across a human design strategist like yourself, and suddenly they find themselves at this kind of breaking point where they realize that their values and the values of the organization that they're a part of don't align. There's usually this moment of like identity crisis uh, that I've, I've come across myself and I've also, a lot of my clients have come across. And it becomes this question of like, well, who am I without this job? Or who am I if like this isn't the path that I'm supposed to be taking? How do you approach that with clients? And, and how do you help them kind of recenter themselves and, and maybe find some equanimity around the letting go of that prior identity and moving into something new. So when this happens and it's inevitably going to happen, and this is something you don't think like whoever is thinking about leaving their job or going into a different career or starting their entrepreneurial journey, this is something you're not going to think about, but it's something that's going to happen. And I'm glad we're having this conversation. And this is the point in someone's journey when they are not yet dissociated with the identity they're leaving, but they still haven't embraced the new identity they're stepping into. So there's this big void, the dark and empty space you're going to be sitting in. And it's going to be so uncomfortable. So what I do, and this is like, I like to be open and honest and understand what you're, what's going to come up. Like not everything is rainbows and unicorns. So you go through these cycles. When you go into the void, what I do with my clients is I hold the space for them allow them to be in the pain. So if you're constantly trying to find happiness, fulfillment, satisfaction, peace, these are the signature themes of human design uh, types, and you're not allowing yourself to be in frustration, in grief, you have to, you are building this artificial bubble around you. And that's why a lot of people are not equipped and to not learn how to deal and cope with trauma. Traumas are not just some big traumatic life events that we oftentimes associate them with. Traumatic events can be something that happens in the workplace. You know, someone told you something and because of that, you have started creating these limiting beliefs. I'm not good enough. I need improvement and all of that. So when you understand all your shadows and all the limitations you have, you embrace them, you allow them to exist. You can also allow your gifts and your light to shine. So understanding, and this is all this balance. So it's constantly the alignment and balancing between my shadows and bad experiences and what I want to build and my light and my gifts that I want to bring in this world.
So one of the things, one of the things that I wanted to just highlight and kind of touch on is something that you just talked about briefly. And it's like the different ways that trauma can really manifest or kind of can kind of show up. And we often think about it as like, oh, you had a traumatic childhood or, you know, you had a, an assault of some sort, or there's like, a, you're in a war zone. And, you know, that's kind of like the, the typical view of like what trauma is, but there's like this other type of trauma that I think shows up quite a bit that you mentioned in terms of like this idea of not enoughness or needs improvement. Uh, which is kind of like the whole crux of this podcast. And it's, it's around this idea of moral injury. And this is a term that's come up more and more when kind of talking about, uh, let's say, for example, you're in an organization that's behaving in a way that's a, against your moral values, or perhaps somebody has given you a piece of feedback, or there's a, a type of engagement and communication that's happening with you that really hits you at the moral center and the moral core of your being. And this trauma actually shows up in the same way that trauma might show up as a car accident or some other types of things. Your brain doesn't really know the differences between these different types of trauma. So I talk with quite a bit with folks who are, you know, in environments that aren't really encouraging diversity or, you know, perhaps they're a caretaker or a mother and, you know, they're being forced to like operate in a certain way that doesn't allow them to spend the time that they need with the people they're caretaking or with their family. And this becomes part of this moral injury. And I'm kind of curious from your perspective, it sounds to me like human design and kind of the process of self-discovery helps surface and make more clear like what these moral values are so that if you are confronted with or encountering some sort of an environment that goes against that, it becomes a little bit more clear what that impact is on you as an individual and maybe gives you better tools to help name and identify what that trauma is and be able to hopefully find yourself in different environments. Exactly. It helps us understand also what our biggest challenges and wounds are in the life. And something like to put it in a very practical sense, like looking at your biggest wound and your biggest challenge that you're here to overcome becomes your vocation, becomes the core of the work you're doing. So it's like exploring how that piece of your human design, you can embed into your work, into your messaging and really take people from that shadow to the gift. So that's, it gets really, really practical, but it's also understanding where you are in which areas in your life you're most prone to be conditioned, receptive of influences from other people. Uh, where are you falling into the expectation of others? Where are you playing small and you're not leaning into your uh, gifts? So it, it really gives, and I'm going back to that, it gives us the language to understand what are the biggest fear we're going to be experiencing in our life. So when we look at that part, for example, we're going to see that as much as we work with like therapists, coaches, self-awareness, there are these consistent fears that we're going to be experiencing, but they're going to be showing up in disguised in different suit as you move and go to a different levels of your journey. So understanding to recognize, and this is something I also I also want to say might be helpful to the listeners. The more you do self-development work, the more you're digging and understanding the deeper layers of, let's say, certain fears of, or emotions, what they mean to you. As you're moving and stepping into the unknown, the more you're on that journey, these fears and blocks are going to be showing up at the deeper levels, but you are equipped to overcome them much faster. 
So you are going to be experiencing frustration, anger, these limitations, fears at the much deeper level because you're so, so aware of all the layers, how they're showing up, but you're equipped to overcome them easier and faster. That is why you see all these like conscious leader uh, entrepreneurs working, doing all this work is what helps them propel and move faster. What strikes me here with this too, and you mentioned this previously, this idea of communication and being able to like really determine the proper timing in order to be able to kind of speak into some of these things and even just finding the right language to speak into it. And I wonder like from your experience, like where do people get tripped up the most and like where do they struggle the most? Like even after they've gone through a process of human design and they've got this language, like where do they get stuck? And like, you know, what are some of the ways that you help people through that period of being stuck to moving forward? Human design, they say it takes us first seven years of our life to get conditioned. So that's why it takes us seven years from the moment you find out your human design to fully decondition, to go through all the layers of human design. And human design is experiential tool. So you learn something you have to apply. There's no way keeping it in just your logic and learning. You have to experiment with that and apply. And that's how you embody how that unconscious knowledge becomes your conscious behavior. But where people get stripped is letting their mind take over. Again, seeing and looking, not trusting their self but looking at, okay, this person is outsourcing their inner power, I would say. And looking, okay, this person has done this. They're much further than me on, the, on this journey than might, might know better. And this is why it's important when you're working with a mentor, when you're working with a coach, when you're taking an advice, like in a workplace or in your business from someone to understand from which lens they're telling you that message. And this is why being cognitive about and understanding that these differences, how uniquely we are, and then what works for someone for like a manifester will not work for a projector or a manifesting generator. So understanding this has been my experience. This is what worked for me and why it worked. And when you're getting that advice, understanding, will this work for me? Am I walking into the same shoes of someone else or am I stepping into my own footprint? Oh gosh, I love this so much. You know, and, and it, I wonder too, from your own personal story, like, you know, how did you originally come across human design and like, how did you apply that to your own life to kind of get you to where you're at right now? Cause it sounds to me just from like what we've talked about so far is like, you're super aligned with like your purpose. You're super aligned with your intuition and you're, you're putting this into practice on a regular basis. And I imagine it probably was a journey to get to this place. Yes, sure. So the first time I was exposed to human design was through a colleague at uh, my previous company at Deloitte. So she was um, like a hidden mystic in the workplace. So she was very spiritual and she was doing some kind of programs and she launched a mini like a one month long program. And I signed up for that and she just opened up the perspective. She's like, oh, I found out this human design and you're a manifester. You might like the explanation it gives. This is like, I, I could so much recognize you. Then I started going down the rabbit hole as everyone who discovers their human design does. So that's where I became passionate. And really like for me, human design gave me that permission to step into who I was born to be. Like my human design is all about like, you were born to be an entrepreneur. So I, it was like, it just 
was screaming out of me to come out and it was showing up in different ways, even though like at my day job, I was doing the nine to five, you know, like operating as a condition generator, I would say so, but really allowing myself, giving myself permission to be and do in the way I was always thinking, but doubting myself. So eliminating this doubt and the way I stay in on the track and in my alignment, I make mistakes. Like I, I don't just follow. It's not like hundred percent the right route. I'm going to try something and I fall into the trap of conditioning. Oh, someone's ahead of me in the entrepreneurial journey. There are the business strategies. They must know better. And then I look at that advice I applied. So this is the experimenting I tried and then I understand, okay, this doesn't work for me. And I understand why it doesn't work for me. There's nothing wrong with me. So this is what we talked about when you're in a corporate environment, when you become an entrepreneur, understanding this tactic, strategy, whatever, doesn't work for me. There's nothing wrong. I'm not doing anything wrong, but I understand why it's not working for me. So you can pivot much quicker. So on the entrepreneurial journey, it's crucial because when you have a business, you have to be resilient. You have to be adaptable. You're never going to be, you're, you're not subscribing to like the lifetime nine to five same job and role where you're going to retire with a golden watch. So you have to be able to adjust and adapt following your own roadmap, not going down the, because it's so hard. And this is what I've seen with a lot of entrepreneurs who have built their like seven, eight figure businesses. They built it fast following some certain strategies, but they have gone so far off from their North Star, from their vision, because they were taking these fast-paced tactics. So now I see a lot of people in this and in, in this sector who are like burning down their businesses. It's like, fine, it, it's not the money. Like I want to be connected to my vision and mission. That is why I am building intentionally and crafting my business in a sustainable way, because this is a long-term marathon, not a short-term race. I think it's a really important lesson that I try to remind myself of quite a bit too, is that, you know, there, there's a sustainability factor to all of this. It's really important. And I think that goes for folks, even who aren't in entrepreneurial endeavors, like even people who have decided that, yeah, corporate work is for me. And like, I like that structure and I like that predictability. You still have to do that from a place of sustainability and have a long-term vision around that. So I think it's a really important reminder for folks, regardless of where they're at in their path, you know, to, to, to make sure that you're embodying those practices and you're keeping that long-term vision in mind. Uh, you know, one of the thing I was actually kind of curious about too, with human design, you know, like what are some of the, the misconceptions that people often have around human design and where do they get confused? Yeah. So the first step is like thinking, oh, this is going to predict my future or something like that. Like, so first of all, thinking that something woo-woo or not believing. And what I always try to emphasize is that human design doesn't require you to believe in anything. It requires you to believe in yourself. So you just get gets you back on understanding yourself deeper. The second part I would say is uh, putting yourself into new boxes and saying, oh, I'm a this type, or this is my lion, or this is how I'm taking things very literally instead of like, okay, how is this going to play out for me? How is this going to work for me? The third thing is outsourcing their power to other people and still waiting for other people to tell them how and what to do. 
So this is why when I work with clients, the first part, and this is my three-part process, the awareness, alchemy, alignment. Awareness is just understanding on your cognitive level, the information from human design, from business strategy, whatever you're learning. So it's just cognitive. In order to really transform, to alchemize the way you're working, to embrace new habits, to um, change anything, to set the boundaries, to create a new schedule, to change the job, you need to go through the process of transformation. That's where the magic happens. So this is the holding the space and guiding clients in a coaching process, respecting their own timing, their own internal resources, and helping them build that capacity and resources to achieve the goal, whichever goal uh, they have. And the alignment is ultimately like taking that knowledge from unconscious beliefs to the conscious behaviors. Mm. It sounds like like really in-depth work. And I'm kind of curious, you know, obviously you can go online and you can take your own human design uh, profile and you can kind of do this work yourself. Like where where does a coach come into play with this and how, how has it helped to have someone to help guide you through this process? Yes. So the first part of um, part when you want to understand your human design, if you're not um, inclined to take up this knowledge on your own, like I am, I love to study, like I'm very passionate about this. So if you don't want to waste like years and read the books and everything to learn, this is getting your human design reading. I don't do like a general human design readings and like the basic stuff. I do it in this very practical way. So it's like really understanding and having someone translate this information for you. But also be aware that we all are going to put our own uh, definition of the word. So however I'm going to describe the human design type to you, it's going to be differently worded than to someone else. So that's why it's important to filter all this information and give it your own. What does it mean for you to be a manifesting generator? What is your signature team? Um satisfaction mean for you so when you define okay i'm building my business and i want to feel satisfaction or for me that's peace what does peace mean for me what is success like i have to give it my own definition and then as a coach i guide them to you know like in a coaching process you set this big goal and you guide the clients but every time they show up they're going to show up with something different in that session so it's like helping them tap into the part that they need now and this is this is the the key role that I help with my clients is like you can get so overwhelmed when you try to digest all the information from your human design, you're not going to get anywhere. So you need piece by piece and you need the pieces that you need today. So one day you want to explore this part. So it's like whatever is showing up for someone is like what they're ready to receive, what they're ready to work on. We I take that part from human design and then use it as part of the coaching process and help them go deeper into it or their shadows or embracing their gifts. That sounds lovely. How, how do I sign up? So I'm curious, like, you know, <laughs> if people want to work with you uh, and they want to kind of dive into this human design, like where's the best p way people that can reach out to you and where's the best way people can find you? Sure. Thank you so much for uh, asking this question. Yes. On LinkedIn, Tiana Burek, Tiana uh, Career Alchemist and my website, careeralchemist.co. And the way we start work is through this uh, in-depth human design assessment. And then if uh, we're a good fit, we continue working through coaching process. That's perfect. Well, Tiana, thank you so much for kind of breaking down for us a little bit about human design and career alchemy and kind of how you approach coaching. 
for folks that are listening, definitely check her out. Uh, we'll be ha- adding information in the speaker notes below. Uh, so you'll have links to the resource and everything that she's talking about. If there's one thing that you would want to leave behind for folks uh, as just like a last little nugget of information, what would you like to share with folks? If you're, and I'm sure like everyone who is listening us is on some kind of the career uh, crossroads in their life is really tap and use the resources you have available to tap into what you feel you want to do next and not think what is best that you should do. And I'll leave you with that. That's beautiful. All right. Well, thank you so much and we'll see you soon. Thank you. All right. That's a wrap for today's episode of the Needs Improvement Podcast. If our conversation resonated with you, do us a favor, share this episode with your network. We'll be back next month diving even deeper into what needs improvement in the modern workplace. Until then, take what you've learned and make your workplace a better place to be. See you soon. 